Yeah, it's your boy Crypto Blood, and welcome to another episode of Ask the Block. This is episode number four. Hope you guys are doing well this Sunday. Let's get right into it. We got some good questions today. One of them being Paxis or Praxis. I've never even heard of, so we're going to take a look at that together. And I'll give you my honest opinion on it, but let's go ahead and get right into it for today. First question from a man, Wire Sparks. He's always hitting me with those great song requests on my channel. He said, what are your thoughts about David Shum's Praxis cryptocurrency and Elixir messaging app? Man, Wire Sparks, never heard of neither of these uh, platforms or coins. So let's take a look at them together. The godfather of cryptocurrency. The man who invents a digicash. David Chomp. David Chomp. David Chomp. David Chomp, ladies and gentlemen. To see so many young people interested in uh, cryptography and the whole world is starting to realize the power of this technology. This is a very exciting time. We have now a main chance to take the energy of blockchain forward to a consumer product at a global scale. So now you create your own keys with your own equipment. You control exclusively access to your own information. As you know, I've been an advocate of digital rights, digital sovereignty, empowering individuals in the information age for many years. Either we're going to be moving towards a, a world in which people are data subjects or alternatively people have control over their own information privacy is intimately tied to human potential and that it's an extraordinarily important aspect of democracy how should we structure the network to make it effective so that it can really grow and attract all the kinds of services and users that it will need so that it can predominate there still was not a strictly digital-only currency until the DigiCash company was started by David Chalm in 1990. So far, we have excellent store of value systems, but we haven't really reached the global consumer payment system. I think we can do better, so I've, I've got a new vision. We have it running on smartphones, and we call it Elixir. interesting well i thought we were early today with cryptocurrencies this guy was envisioning this type of platform this type of network in 1994 this is crazy um i do know digicash i remember that whole concept but was not familiar with david chum personally but i like what he's saying though you know you guys know i'm all about privacy that's like the whole main part of and reason why i i saw cryptocurrencies as a viable technology going forward for us as humanity as we have more deep state uh surveillance from it does not even have to be necessarily nsa only we've got china and their communist you know society regime they have privacy is more important than ever today but blockchain can be used in a manner to actually lock us down even more suppress us even more and place surveillance tactics on us even more so we got to be careful here but i like what he's talking about i need to look more into this whole elixir messaging app it says here elixir is a transaction platform running on a full stack blockchain elixir nodes are the foundation for the privacy protocol mixed network that can support messaging payments and decentralized applications uh, for data transfer it looks like payments and messaging happen under 10 seconds near zero catastrophic risk consumer scale transaction volumes north of 100,000 tbs this sounds good man 
did not know anything about this. I can't, man. There's so many projects out there. Wire Sparks. I can't keep up with this stuff, you know. So I'm gonna look into this, man. It looks looks promising. My whole thing is there are so many great projects out there. That's not the determining factor. If it were that simple, man, it would make our job as far as finding out which one is gonna be the prominent infrastructure or blockchain that we use in the future. It's just too early, man. And you know, with software, is is weird like that. The best doesn't necessarily win. The first doesn't necessarily win. Look at MySpace. Remember MySpace came around. Revolutionary way to interact with people. I'm black. So, you know, I, I was on Black Planet back in the day. That's what me and my, my people were on. So just because you're first mover advantage in technology doesn't submit your, uh, your, your, your position. It, it really doesn't. Look at Ask Jeeves, Yahoo search engine. Google wasn't the first to do it. So many times in technology, man, first mover's advantage kind of works against you because you've got everyone looking at you and because the barrier to entry for technology uh, platforms are, are, are lower, people can iterate, make changes, improve on what you've done. And if it hits, it hits and it catches on like wildfire. So you, you have to kind of keep that in mind, man, unfortunately. And so that's why many times i kind of just i look at the at the projects that have the most capital behind them you know i don't go searching for the new latest and greatest too much you know i look at really the team behind these these projects and primarily i look at capital how much capital do they have to make this vision come to pass because at the end of the day that's who's going to win the game in most cases because they're able to get in front of people, the end user, the consumer, faster. You know, blockchain still has an issue with, um, and I learned this just in, in when I was doing the tech thing, it's hard to teach your end user. When you have to teach your end user that they uh, need this new technology or that they should even be interested in this technology, it's very hard. It's very hard. So you're going to have to have your bags got to be big. You know, you got to have a lot of capital to really do that. And I think with like EOS, you haven't even seen them doing that marketing and stuff yet. I think they probably were waiting because they were going back and forth with the SEC. So that was probably a big holdup on marketing, their marketing campaigns. You haven't really seen that at all with EOS really pushing out there to the forefront what EOS IO is. So you're going to start seeing that, I think. Once they kind of got that out the way with the SEC, paid the fine, now they can move forward and start promoting this operating system, this decentralized world operating system. That's why I'm really big on EOS IO. It's a train track. You want to look for infrastructures and blockchain projects that have train tracks, and it looks like Elixir is that rail and you know you can build on top of it praxis uh looks to be a quantum resistant blockchain which is good but as i've stated with software at least with something like eos io you know it's centralized enough to where if there were some upgrades that needed to happen regarding quantum resistance you know you got a couple hundred bps 21 top bps but you get the consensus with all of those individuals, they'll be able to upgrade 
like they're doing to EOS IO 2.0, like they did with EOS uh, 1.8, I think they'll be able to adopt, adapt. So it's not necessarily about even which blockchains are ahead of the curve. Especially in this era, you know, we're talking about software here. Looks like a great project. It really does. I like what the, the founder's ethos. I like what he's about as far as privacy. He seems to really get it for sure. And he was ahead of his time. So you got to look at and watch people that were ahead of their times. Because where we are right now, they're probably looking four or five steps ahead. And that's why they probably have this quantum resistant uh, feature in their praxis coin so i don't know man like i look at who's got the bag and who can really push forward their project and and to me there's no one even close eos is is it you know just from that standpoint so i'll look into it though it looks very good i like what i just see from a from the surface thanks for putting me up on that wire sparks i was not aware of praxis like that at all uh, and elixir the blockchain i think that praxis is built on looks good man looks real good next question from my man lb on youtube he asks i'd like to know what would happen if your wallet holding your bitcoin suddenly and catastrophically disappeared for whatever reason it's gone and you can't get it be it an exodus or atomic or even a ledger how would you be able to retrieve your BTC or any asset from the blockchain? So basically, man, what happens if you lose everything, the hardware, physical hardware wallet? If you recall, when you set up your hardware wallet, you set up this passphrase or this 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 weird number of like 12 different words or whatever that you had to write down, memorize, whatever you want that is what all of these hardware wallets follow it really started with bip32 and bip32 is just basically bip stands for bitcoin improvement protocol okay back in the day we didn't have that um at least it wasn't widely used uh but over the years that protocol and, and everyone in the bitcoin community said we're going to follow this prot protocol for generating um passphrases something that you can easily more easily remember versus trying to remember a a full string of your private keys so essentially this whole protocol allows you to create and generate your public key and private key based on uh you know a set of 12 to 24 words something that you can easily or more easily remember and that you can reverse engineer that and get your private keys back. So basically you can buy another hardware wallet and as long as you have your C phrase, your passphrase with those words, those 12 to 24 words, and you know your public key, um, which is your address for that wallet, you'll be able to uh, generate and open up your wallet again. So, you know, many people, the misconception is people think that your coins are actually physically on that wallet or physically on that phone they're not they're not even on there it's just that that particular hardware device unlocks the uh, ability for you to go on to the public ledger and say okay this public wa wallet is mine here's how i know and then you give basically pair it with that private key or your private address and you're able to move or withdraw funds from those 
from those addresses, that ledger in the blockchain. So the coins never really reside anywhere. They're everywhere. They're on every node that you that are, that's around the world. And that's how you need to think of when you're storing your Bitcoins or Litecoin, whatever coin it is, is not really on that device. It's out there in the ether. Uh, no pun intended there. But yeah, BIP32 is the basis of which these hardware wallets uh, use. But the protocols have evolved and grown over time. You got BIP32 was the initial one, BIP39, and now we have the BIP44 protocol, which is the latest implementation of it. And with BIP44, it's the interesting part about BIP44 is that you can have child keys. So you can break up your main key or phrase and, and get and assign it to various people. So maybe two of the three have to have those phrases to unlock the the actual wallet you can have you can have six uh, you can have grandchildren so it can get very complicated to where not you know if if your key was compromised the individual would not be able to access your funds they would have to have two and you know two other pieces of the bit 44 protocol to access your your wallet so that's how it all works man there's a website and i'll try to make sure i link it it's a neat website where you can generate um and just play around with this type of uh protocol the bit 32 39 protocol and you know you can generate a 12 for uh 12 word phrase and then you can just click english and it'll generate the uh mnemonic phrase here so again i'm sure you've seen this it gives you like 12 different words. Um, you can play around with it. You can make it whatever you want. And then you can have your passphrase as well that adds additional encryption to it. So this is normally what you have to put in for your password to unlock your wallet. You would make up whatever, you know, whatever you want the passphrase to be. And that will in, in turn uh, modify the hash, your seed hash right here. But then you can go down here and start calculating the bit 49 and that gives you account extended private keys and this is where you can split the keys up so you can have extended keys for three different accounts this is what i was talking about earlier and then so this derives addresses from here the public addresses for each of these so this is some real like deep cryptography stuff but this is what's the driving force behind Bitcoin and, and any cryptocurrency is cryptography. So these are some of the uh, types of methods they use to keep things encrypted and keep them asymmetrical in nature. So I hope that answered your question there. That was a good question there. So thank you for that one. Next question from Crypto Yo. He said, have you heard of carrot bars? And if so, what is your take on it? I know you and Max Kaiser talked about not being fans of gold-backed cryptos. Yeah, dog. Not a fan of precious metal cryptos. They make no sense. <laughs> the individuals that are doing this, one, either don't understand cryptography and how that eliminates the need to actually back something uh, behind that particular coin, or two, they're just rent seekers and they're looking to exploit the market. 
is, is, is those two things. Ask yourself this when it comes to gold, right? If, if, if you're a precious metals person and you're a hard, diehard precious metals person and I say, man, I've got gold too. And you say, okay, let me see it. And I pull out a gold certificate that, that's a claimant on two, three ounces of gold. You're going to look at me and laugh because you and I both know that don't mean nothing. You having a certificate doesn't mean you actually have that possession of that coin. If, if, if stuff hits the fan, what happens? If your gold is in Switzerland, which where a lot of people's gold is, because they've got so much gold, they can't keep it where they are. Hence why Bitcoin is better than gold. Uh, I can have a billion dollars of, of Bitcoin or wealth in Bitcoin. And it's, it's as I told, the, told you with the previous guy, it's not actually physically anywhere. It's everywhere. So uh, as long as you have those private keys to unlock that, you have the ability to move that wealth around, do whatever you want with it. But yeah, same same goes with this uh, precious metal crypto back stuff. It's, it's nonsense. Anybody spitting that to you is either a person that doesn't understand cryptography and cryptocurrencies, as they say they do, um, or again, they're, they're being profiteers and taking advantage of people. You don't need to back uh, a cryptocurrency uh, or represent it with a precious metal at all uh, for, for consumers, for end users. No, you, you should not be participating in, in doing that. It's just stupid. If you want gold, go get gold. Hold it in your hand. You know, you say you want to store your wealth without having physical ownership of it. Buy some Bitcoin. That's the whole point. The value is derived through cryptography, through math. And uh, over time, I think it'll be less volatile. But that's the whole point of Bitcoin. You don't need to have it represented by a physical asset. Yeah, that's my take on carrot bars. Not a fan at all. Not a fan of any precious metal backed cryptocurrency. Now, one may ask about cryptocurrencies representing assets like other assets like houses and, and stuff like that. A little different a little different because a house you can't move so if you can't move a house around um, then you can tokenize it in my opinion and and have that represented on the blockchain where you can you can trade that with someone else right I can see that happening at some point so don't conflate the two because they're totally different applications of cryptos being uh, assigned to an asset to a physical asset physical object i don't have a problem with and i think you, we're going to continue to see that tokens and we're going to see continue to see cryptos and precious metals that's just it is what it is people are going to be ignorant to the fact and they're going to fall for it um it's only going to take one crypto backed entity to get closed down by the government just look at what's going on with very token very gold same thing you know they're frozen up right now so what good is having a very gold token if you can't even access it because it's held up in litigation with the sec same thing this is pointless if you want gold hold gold that's my take on it homie next question also from crypto yo thanks for that man the first one was a good question as well this one says do you use leverage trading platforms like prime xbt 
What is your take on Prime XBT? Stay away or play. So Prime XBT, never heard of it, but um, I don't have a problem with leverage trading. I use BitMEX uh, for my algos. I will say this though, because I come from Forex, so I'm used to dealing with leverage. Leverage is a double-edged sword. As much as you win leveraging, you lose the same the same amount on on the downside leverage so it, it doesn't matter if you're leveraging the leverage has to be implemented on a strategy that is profitable over time over 6 12 months that's where you see the benefit of leveraging if you have a losing trading strategy it's dollar for dollar even though it was, even though it's leverage it's still dollar for dollar so if you're losing if the strategy is a losing strategy over time then you're going to lose that amount times your leverage. I don't have a problem with leverage. You have to know what you're doing. On BitMEX, like with my algos, I don't leverage anymore. We use 20x leverage. That's the most. They offer 100 leverage, 100x leverage. But again, you got to really know what you're doing when you're dealing with 50x, 100x leverage. You literally have to get into your trade at the absolute extreme high or low in that cycle whichever way you're going it's very hard to time most most of the time so you just got to know what you're doing man and it's only going to exaggerate your losses if you have a losing strategy but on the other hand it will really enhance your winnings if you have a profitable trading strategy so i like i like it that that's the way you really get rich you're essentially using other people's money to trade which is a beautiful thing but they bank on 95 90%, 95% of the people losing. So over time, you're going to lose in trading. But it's about over a year time frame or two years or whatever. Can you consistently outperform the markets? And if you can, then you, you add leverage to that and that increases your profits that much more. Next question from a man, Little Troll Box. He's an avid viewer of mine. He says, curious of what percentage of subs do you think hold XRP? I honestly would say pretty high. Uh, probably like north of 60, 70%. But you've got two different categories of individuals that hold XRP. The first one is a person that's just out there for economic gain. And they hold it because they think it's going up. Hey, do what you do what you must. I mean, I still wouldn't do that. I don't hold any XRP because I don't want to add to the demand for that coin because it's a shit coin. It's not a cryptocurrency that is looking to help the people. They're trying to align with the central banks and help enhance their antiquated system. Why would why would we help that? I don't understand. So again, I wouldn't personally. I, I can understand why people would oh I think XRP is gonna go to two three dollars again cool that's but then you've got the second group which I cannot stand and those are the fanboys those are the people that send XRP is the standard hashtag all over the place those individuals have a clear lacking of understanding of uh, what we're trying to do here in the crypto space so that second group I despise I despise. So if I ever see you in the public, don't don't come at me and know uh, XRP is the standard stuff. We're gonna be scrapping. Next question from my man Jake Crypto Minded, another uh, avid viewer of mine. He says, "Does this mean that EOS will be fine now from being a security?" Um, and I guess he's um, 
referring to this video as you can see out of nowhere block one settles with the sec for 25 million yeah man they're clear the 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 settlement was vague didn't really make sense they didn't really they didn't uh, admit to selling the security in in the uh, u.s nor did they deny so I, it's just weird but yes that's out of the way sec is not coming after them any longer it's a green light they're pretty much in the bucket with bitcoin and ethereum so that's man that's a bullish sign going forward for that project that blockchain so hey it's it's all good from here and last but not least norway says hi can you please explain the difference between block one's eos which you like two ripple which you don't like and three litecoin foundation or litecoin which you are neutral on why are you so positive on eos well i kind of explained it a little bit uh earlier in the video why i'm so positive about eos mainly because of their war chest you know they've got like two billion three billion uh locked and loaded like to do many different things and i think they were waiting to really do a lot of marketing and stuff like that simply because they were in litigation with the sec of course we didn't know that they kept that under wraps pretty tightly but now that that's out the way i think you're going to see a lot of marketing coming from block one and pushing the eos io platform eos io is a an operating system that's how you have to think of it as a decentralized operating system that various organizations uh, will be able to utilize when eos storage gets running you're going to be able to run actual websites and, and, and stuff all on the blockchain not on any one server so it's really going to change the, the way we think about the internet you know and in applications online so i'm, I'm very uh positive and bullish on eos and uh, very excited for what can be done on that platform now ripple as i've stated just just a minute ago ripple i don't like simply because First, I don't like that uh, they're helping the bankers, explicitly helping the bank the bankers. That's their whole mantra. That's their whole whole mo, is to help banks uh, lending and settlements of funds and all that stuff. Not lending, but settlements of funds, cross border and yada yada yada. That's why I don't like XRP. It goes up fully against what we're supposed to be doing here in the crypto space. It's a perverted uh, idea version of a cryptocurrency. Secondly, why I don't like XRP is because Ripple, the company, is uh, completely playing all of those XRP bag holders. They're selling coins consistently. You don't hear anything about Block One selling coins, okay? They're not selling coins. You don't sell something that you believe in. And they sell on a monthly basis. They have a, a regimen of selling coins millions and millions of coins on a monthly basis under the guise of oh we're doing marketing and we need to expand the xrp brand or ripple brand and we we're acquiring companies and stuff i'm not saying that ripple won't be successful they probably will because they're acquiring a lot of different companies so they're going to be successful as a as ripple llc or whatever they're going to be successful they have to be because they have vc funding right so that you know it's a they have a fiduciary responsibility to, to turn a profit and make money for their investors. So they're going to do that most likely, but at the cost and at the expense of the token holders because they keep liquidating the coins. 
and that's why you know XRP is not going to go to zero but it's going to go lower over time because they're stealing wealth from the bag holders going out purchasing real assets real companies and the the the, the token holders are not going to see any benefit of that they don't they're not shareholders in Ripple LLC you're not getting a dividend from that so that's why I have a very big problem with Ripple Litecoin Foundation um, I don't I'm neutral because uh, you know it's just I'm, I'm not convinced of these cryptocurrencies that are touting you know payment coins you know like they're gonna be the future for payment coins and, and you know merchants and e-commerce and brick-and-mortar point-of-sale not gonna happen they're not fast enough the first generation coins like Litecoin uh, just not fast enough to be a a network for payments for millions and hundreds of millions or even billions of people it's not gonna happen um, you need something faster in there I mean there are so many other ones that are much faster uh, and honestly you need almost instantaneous and you need free that's the key thing you need transactions that are free over the network uh, and you let and you pretty much transfer the the cost over to whoever is actually producing the product on the blockchain right so in the instance of EOS any any publisher of a, an application or a DAP on the network they're paying the cost and then their end users are able to utilize that service at layer zero at the protocol level uh, for free now could they upcharge and say oh you need to pay XYZ to do this on the service that's different that's maybe how you can profit from it but at the bare minimum doing transactions that should be free and that's how that that's how an ecosystem can scale in my opinion um, so with Litecoin I just I see it as a speculative coin not really going to be used for payments some people will I'm not saying it won't be at all but it'll be a very small percentage one percent two percent maybe but overall I think Litecoin will be a speculative coin that you just store wealth in and it's the second you know second cryptocurrency the first altcoin so it, there's going to be some intrinsic value there just because of that I think the market will perceive that in that way uh, how much who knows who knows but yeah thank you for that question great question there um, and thank you to all of you guys all seven questions were excellent hope I answered those hope you guys learned something I surely learned something today Praxis gonna go definitely check that out and uh, yeah didn't know about this prime XBTC exchange either so there you have it people thank you for tuning in to this episode number four of ask the block with yours truly crypto blood make sure you guys like share and subscribe and click that bell i'm out of here people ha!